Welcome to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation. Hi. I'm Łukasz Kiniewicz, partner in charge of Hydric and Struggles Warsaw office and a member of the Global Technology and Services practice. I'm also joined by my colleague, Alison Robinson, who is a partner in Hydric and Struggles London office and who leads our work in media and consumer tech globally. In today's podcast, we are excited to speak to Jamie Fly, president and CEO of Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty. Radio Free Europe's Radio Liberty's mission is to promote democratic values and institutions and to advance human rights by reporting news in countries where free press is banned or not fully established. Prior to Jamie's appointment as a CEO, he served as a senior fellow, co-director of the Alliance for Security Democracy and director of the Future of Geopolitics and Asia programs at the German Marshall Fund of the United States. Jamie, welcome and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Great to be with you, Luca. So first question, many people, especially the ones living in Eastern Europe or post-Soviet bloc countries, remember Radio Free Europe from the Cold War times. What purpose does the organization serve now? So Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty uh, really serves as a very similar purpose to our mission during the Cold War. We are providing unbiased reporting, truthful information to audiences across our entire coverage region. The coverage region is slightly different than it was decades ago. We now serve uh, 23 countries in 27 languages across Eurasia. Uh, And what we try to do is to provide ideally local reporting information that affects people's day-to-day lives Um, that they're not getting from other sources. So we are operating primarily in countries where there is no freedom of of the press, uh, where people are getting bombarded by propaganda, often from government-sponsored media or from foreign actors who are trying to advance a particular uh, political agenda, or by local political figures who are trying to manipulate the information and media landscape to serve their narrow corporate or political purposes. And so we are in these markets as a neutral, independent media organization that provides people with information that they know that they can trust and they can believe. The main difference from our work decades ago is really in how we do that, because when we uh, were doing our primarily radio broadcast from our headquarters, which was at that point in Munich, Germany, Uh, we were often known as the voices from afar. Uh, We were the voices that people would listen to at night, uh, their favorite radio programs that they would tune into, often through the jamming that was conducted by governments at the time. Uh, And we weren't even able to actually report from the ground in most of the countries we operated. In recent decades, thankfully, we've been able to set up bureaus in many of the countries where we do our work. We now have about 20 offices across Eurasia, We can be there in many of our countries side by side with our audiences. Uh, And so we don't have to be the voices from afar. Uh, We can have a better sense of what our audiences care about and what they want to hear about. And and the transmission uh, means obviously now have been modernized and changed. And more and more people in most of our countries are engaging with our content now online, through social media, 
uh, through digital content rather than the traditional radio broadcasts uh, that made us so popular in our early decades. We'd love to get to know you a bit better. What was your path to Radio Free Europe? And what were the most important professional accomplishments that led you there to the CEO role? So I should state up front that I'm not a journalist. Um, I don't come out of the news industry. And most of uh, we've had a mix of, of uh, different types of individuals who have been my predecessors here at Radio for Europe, Radio Liberty. We've had some lifelong journalists who have served in this role as president of the organization. But we've also had people similar to my background. And that background comes out of uh, U.S. policy, government, think tanks, research. Uh, I worked uh, in a variety of different places inside the U.S. government in different roles. I worked on in the U.S. Congress for several years, and then I worked at a number of think tanks uh, working on a variety of issues. But most recently, which ultimately led me here, doing a lot of work uh, looking at the way that Russia in particular uses information to advance its interests uh, both at home, but then also uh, in other countries, and especially looking at the problem of so-called disinformation uh, and malign uh, Russian interference uh, in democracies uh, and in countries where it wants to sway public opinion. It was really that research and just the challenges that media, independent media, are facing uh, in Eurasia that led me to be interested in joining uh, Radio Free Europe uh, Radio Liberty. I'd had a number of instances over uh, many years where I had visited the headquarters here in Prague. Uh, I had met journalists both here in Prague, but then also out in some of our bureaus. I had always been incredibly impressed by the workforce and by the courage of our journalists, uh, who often uh, take great risks to report truthful information uh, to their audiences. And so I was always inspired by the mission. And so when the opportunity came along uh, to run the organization, I, I jumped at it uh, because I wanted to contribute to that broader fight that is underway to really preserve the truth and to help counter uh, this horrible problem we have globally, not just in the coverage region of RFE, but the decline of truthful reporting, the decline of truthful information sources um, in this digital age. And I wanted to be on the front lines of, of that fight. And, and RFE is certainly an organization that's right in the middle of that day-to-day -day battle that is underway. Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty is a hugely purpose-driven organization. To what extent has that mission shaped your leadership approach, uh, noting that your tenure has included the coronavirus pandemic, the war in Ukraine, and many other geopolitical changes? That's an, a unique uh, aspect of Radio for Europe, Radio Liberty. Um, we're a private organization. We're a nonprofit organization under the, the kind of U.S. structure. Um, and that means that we're not out there looking to make money in each of these markets that we are operating in. Uh, our workforce also doesn't usually come here for the pay. Um, you know, I, I wish we could be more competitive in many of our markets uh, and also at our headquarters here in Prague. Um, but people often make sacrifices to come work for us. And if you talk to our staff, the main reason that they are willing to work long hours, uh, some of them to leave their home countries, to leave family and friends behind uh, to come work here uh, is because they deeply believe 
and are committed to our mission of independent reporting and sharing truthful information with their fellow countrymen and countrywomen back home. Uh, even beyond just the financial challenges or having to move to work for us, our journalists often uh, give up everything. We have three of our journalists right now who are actually serving prison sentences, two in Belarus, one in Russian-occupied Crimea. We've lost multiple journalists in various attacks uh, over the last several years in places like Afghanistan. Uh, more recently, one of our producers, uh, Vera Hirich, was killed tragically in a missile strike in Kyiv uh, when she was just at home in her apartment in April of last year, shortly after the, the full-scale invasion uh, began. Um, we have people, even those who, some who come work for us here in Prague, who can't even tell their family members back in their home countries who they work for. Because if they did, they would put those family members at great risk of retaliation by the governments in those countries that are opposed to independent journalists and do not want us to be able to do truthful reporting about their policies and what is happening uh, in their countries. So our people are very committed to the mission and go to great lengths uh, to advance that mission. It's an exciting organization to, to lead from that perspective. Uh, because people know why they come to work every day. They're excited to do so. The other interesting dynamic, though, is it also uh, means that our staff are very opinionated about the mission and about the work, about what their contribution is to it. And also, uh, they're not shy when they feel that management is leading the, the uh, mission in a different direction that they don't like. And so it creates a, an interesting dynamic where we have a lot of frank conversations within the company about how to tackle all of these challenging times uh, that we've faced. But I would say that that mission-driven aspect of our work is really a key to the character of this organization and, and that of our workforce. And Jamie, on that note, uh, what leadership capabilities have you carried from earlier in your career? to Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, and how have you evolved as a leader during your time there? I'd say a number of things. I mean, a lot of my role is uh, engaging our external partners, um, fighting to protect our space uh, to operate in many of our countries, uh, engaging when our journalists are under attack and fighting back. Uh, trying to make sure that our journalists, all of our journalists, whether they're here in Prague or in one of our 20 offices, have the safety and security that they need to do their work. And a lot of my ability to do that has been shaped by a number of my previous roles, um, probably most notably my time working in the U.S. Senate, where I did a lot of work uh, on advancing human rights, speaking out on, uh, in support of human rights defenders, engaging a broad network, a coalition of organizations, press freedom groups and other human rights organizations who uh, support the work of journalists and civil society activists. And so I use those skills on a daily basis here at the radio as we uh, make sure that our people are as safe as, as we can uh, have them be um, given all of the significant challenges that we face. Um, another thing I would just say that's incredibly important for us, and you highlighted earlier just the unique challenges 
that we and many other organizations have faced in the last several years, the pandemic, uh, the full-scale invasion of Ukraine, which is now a bit over a year ago, um, crises, you know, one after another, having to move journalists out of Russia, out of Belarus. We had to close our office in Afghanistan in, in late 2021. Um, this role has required immense adaptability uh, and flexibility. And just because of the types of positions I've worked in over the course of, of my more than 20 year career, um, I've always been someone who thrives with un, in uncertain environments and uh, can quickly adapt to new situations. Uh, this organization and this role in particular is not a role where you can develop a five-year plan and methodically implement piece by piece that five-year plan. There's just too much uncertainty about our countries where we operate and also, also too much uncertainty about our business, about uh, the news media right now given that news media around the world are going through a digital transformation, it's creating uh, an entirely new dynamic that uh, organizations need to adapt to. And so uh, this has been a role where I think I've been able to apply a lot of those skills related to flexibility, uh, agility, uh, the ability to kind of immediately respond to new environments uh, because we can never predict here what we're going to be facing even, you know, uh, within the next several weeks, let alone the next several years. And Jamie, how does the mission motivate the organization and influence its culture? The great thing about the mission uh, is that it's inspiring to everyone who is here and that it unites not just the journalists, but also all of our support staff. Uh, ever since the mid-90s, when we moved to Prague at the invitation of then uh, Czechoslovak President Václav Havel, uh, roughly half of our staff here at headquarters have actually been Czech, uh, which is also inspiring to us because we have many colleagues here at our headquarters who either listened uh, as children or young people to our Czechoslovak service, which at the time was broadcast from Munich, but played a key role in the Velvet Revolution and the events leading up to 19, the events of 1989, which brought democracy uh, to the Czech Republic. Um, or they come from families where uh, it's a badge of honor that now that they are working here at Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, because of the role that those broadcasts played uh, in inspiring their parents or grandparents. Uh, and so that has had uh, a major effect uh, on our workforce based here in Prague and given, gives us new uh, inspiration uh, every day. And as I mentioned before, it's a highly motivated uh, workforce and that really has had uh, a deep cultural impact on us. Um, and on the flip side, the only thing I'd say is again, it, it makes a lot of strategic conversations very frank. People aren't uh, shy, they're opinionated. Uh, but that's also good, too, I think. Uh, people, uh, our rank-and-file staff here, they hold senior management accountable, uh, and they want to be part of our collective decision-making about what is best for this company. And I think that's, that's really healthy in an organization of this size so that we in senior management are not just making decisions from on high and issuing edicts, but really engaging in an open-ended conversation with our staff across all of the countries. Uh, that, that we operate in. 
Jamie, you've you've hinted at some of the complexities of the organization. You're operating in 30 countries in 27 languages, over 20 local bureaus with over 700 full-time journalists and 1,300 freelancers. What are the key challenges that leading such a complex organization creates? Yeah, I think the, the key challenge we face, like probably any large multinational organization, uh, is relates to communication. Um, our, we've spent a lot of time trying to find avenues to communicate uh, our broad strategy to the entire workforce. Um, I can't just, with an organization of that size and the geographic spread, I can't just gather everyone in one room or even one large town hall here in Prague and ensure that our company strategy reaches every single employee. And so what, what I've done uh, as president over the last several years is I try to get out in front of uh, as many of our in-country staff as possible. Um, I have visited now all of our, over the last uh, three and a half years, I've visited all of our bureaus, uh, all of our 20 bureaus except one, and I plan to visit that last one in the next several weeks. Uh, and many of those bureaus now I've visited multiple times. Um, and every time I engage our staff in country, I do uh, town halls with those individual teams in their offices. I'll have uh, dinners often or lunches with rank and file staff in each of those locations just to hear their concerns directly to get the pulse of whether what they're hearing from us in Prague and whether our high level strategy is even reaching them, what their response is to it, what they think of it. And I do similar things uh, on the weeks that I'm not traveling and I'm here in Prague, um, doing small group sessions with individual units of the company. Uh, but then also I found the best way to engage people is in more informal settings. Um, so over coffee or lunch uh, to hear from staff directly about what their concerns are and about what their reactions are to what we're trying uh, to deal with as a, a company. So that communication between me and senior management and the staff has been a huge challenge. Um, but the other challenge we have, just given the unique geographic reach of the company and the individual offices, um, the multinational uh, nature of our workforce, is really communication between all parts of the company. Because there's only so much that I, as president, can even resolve. Um, there are high-level policies I can set. But for our bureaus and our field staff, uh, what they want to know is that when they need support, when they have an individual issue, when they need a new camera or some other piece of new equipment, when they need training, they need to know that the relevant part of the company is going to be responsive to their needs and that that request is going to be met in a timely manner. Uh, and that there's not going to be a lot of confusion about why they need something or how they get it approved or whether the budget is there for it. And so in recent years, we've put a lot of work into streamlining that part of our work, the support for our field offices, the communications between Prague and our field offices, but then also trying to foster a dialogue even between our different field offices so people feel connected to a larger whole. Um, the good thing post-pandemic is that with the widespread use a video conferencing software um, that has become easier uh, to a certain extent, but we've also tried to encourage a lot of in-person travel and especially even gatherings and trainings 
post-pandemic uh, because we have realized there's still no replacement for people spending some time in Prague or for staff who facilitate all these different uh, needs of the bureaus from getting out to the bureaus and understanding those needs firsthand. And so we, we spend a lot of time in our senior management team trying to find new ways to support that sort of engagement across the company. And I think that remains an ongoing challenge. Now, looking into the future, um, what skill sets and capabilities will Radio Free, Free Europe, Radio Liberty's next generation of leaders need to keep the, the audience engaged? And how is the organization seeking and developing those leaders? That's an incredibly important question for us at this moment. Uh, as I mentioned, the entire uh, news media industry is going through a global transformation. Audiences are moving online, uh, and we see that in almost every country we operate in. The move online and the uh, changes to the online media landscape are also happening much faster than previous transformations in the news media industry where, say, 10 years ago, there was a transition, uh, even more than 10, 10 to 15, from radio to primarily TV. The transition from TV to digital and now even the transformations within the digital media landscape are just happening on an ongoing, constant basis. And it's meant that newsrooms have needed to reorganize, restructure. You've needed new types of talent to supplement the traditional journalistic talent. Uh, and so we're in a mode right now, thankfully, where due to some increases in our budget, we actually are hiring. We're hiring extensively in a number of our different key offices. And we're not always just hiring traditional journalists. Uh, we're hiring digital innovators. We're hiring social media teams. We're hiring podcast experts, digital video experts. We're hiring technical people who have digital skills uh, because the infrastructure we need to produce digital content is different than the infrastructure that we needed to produce traditional TV or radio content. And so identifying those new areas uh, have been very important to the company, figuring out how we can use training to train our existing workforce to develop new skills and adapt to that new environment uh, has been part of that strategy. But we've also realized that we're going to need to identify new talent on the outside and attract that talent to our operations. And so uh, that, I think, is going to be the immediate challenge for us in the next several years, dealing with this digital transformation, making sure that we get ahead of that digital transformation. Because what we're seeing right now with a lot of the layoffs and the challenges that some of our competitors are facing is if you don't get ahead of that transformation and you wait too long to make those changes, uh, they will eventually catch up with you and you're going to lose audience. You're going to become res less relevant to your audience on a daily basis. And ultimately, we want to be expanding our audiences as much as possible and being on the platforms where they want to get news and information rather than trying to force them to come meet us on our preferred platforms. And so I think that's going to be uh, the primary focus here at RFERL over the next five to 10 years. Jamie, thank you for making the time to speak with us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.